so hey, as we kick off tonight, we're actually moving into a portion of Scripture. Um, we're following right along in our I Am Statements of Jesus series, and tonight we're talking about Jesus' statement when he says, I am the door. Now, I want to clarify real quick as you go into your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 through 10, and as we do that, I want to clarify that if you're reading a version that says, I am the gate, understand that gate and door are synonymous in these two passages, because what you'll find out is that Jesus is actually talking about being a shepherd. We're going to discuss that next week, actually. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And so um, next week we'll talk about that. But as he's talking about this, he says, hey, I'm the door or I am the gate to get to the sheep, okay, is, is what he says. And so if your version says gate, just go with it. it. It'll totally make sense here in just a minute. Let's read what Jesus says. John 10, verses 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep out by name and leads them out. When he has brought, all of, brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Understand, he says that this figure of speech uh, that Jesus said. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily talking about a parable. He's, a parable kind of gives us a glimpse into heaven, okay? Um, but Jesus is using what we might call a metaphor, right, to, to, uh, to discuss a, um, an idea here. And so um, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So literally in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. And if, you were, if we were just to read that statement of Jesus where Jesus just simply says, I am the door, some of you might go, well, that's a, a little bit awkward. Like most people don't call themselves the door, right? But, um, but when you think about the purpose of a door, you think about how often like doors play a major role in our lives, it begins to make more sense as to why Jesus would, would call himself the door. And he says, I'm the door to the sheep. So the sheep are literally those who belong to God. In fact, throughout Scripture, what you find out is that um, God takes on, God is described as a shepherd to his people time and time again. So the people that, that Jesus would be talking to here, they would understand that when Jesus is talking about sheep, he's talking about the saved. He's talking about those who believe in the Lord. He's talking about those who are going to heaven. And so... Um, Jesus says, hey, listen, I am the door. And so just to illustrate this real quick, um, I want, um, I need two people who want to win a $10 Starbucks gift card. Anybody? Uh, okay, yes. And should we? Yeah, okay, come on, come on, come on. Okay, all right, so, um, so real quick, um, I'm going to give you guys two options. Face me, look at me. Okay, um, so here's the thing. There are two doors on this stage that, you can choose to go to. One of you will have to go to that one, 
and one of you will have to go to that one. Now, behind one of these doors is a $10 Starbucks gift card. Legit, for reals. We just went down and bought it. There better be 10 bucks on there. If not, then let me know, okay? Um, so, so, I'm just curious. Um, can you guys decide amongst yourselves which door you actually want to go to? Or do we need to, like, Farkle for it and see who goes? You want the left one? Are you sure? You're a right hand, you'll go to the right? Okay, so, um, so the next question is, who wants to be first? You got, are you sure? Because patience is a virtue, you know, and, and like, are you, well, Jesus did say the first will be last and the last shall be first, so would you, no, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. So, hey, I'm just curious, um, so I'm curious, how many of you guys think the Starbucks gift card is on this side? Wait, what's your name? Lauren. Lauren, what's your name? Lauren and Kaylee. How many Team Lauren folks do we have in the house? How many Team Kaylee folks do we have in the house? All right, okay, here. Uh, Lauren, you did speak up first. Uh, I will gladly allow you to go and check out that door, see if your gift card awaits you or not. Now, the door you choose is important. Are you sure you want to go through that one? Positive? Positive? Okay, go for it. Are you okay? (laughs) Listen, I tried to warn you. The door that you choose is important, right? All right, all right, okay. Um, So, hey, Kaylee, why don't you go ahead and try? Do you want to try your door? I'm just curious. Did you look for a Starbucks gift card at all? You didn't? No. It. Let's, let's see what her door turns up. Go for it. Let's see what you got. <laughs> She's disappeared into the dark. No, for reals, is there not a card in there? There totally should be a card in there. Is there a music stand right there? Yeah, is there? Ah, oh, looky there. All right. Hey, y'all give it up for our helpers tonight. <laughs> see, here's what every single one of you know. The door you choose matters, doesn't it? Right? If you want to go to the restroom, the door you choose matters, doesn't it? Some of you guys have already figured that out. You're like, yeah, I went in the wrong one earlier. Um, So funny story, um, Walmart on the south side of town changed their restrooms one time, and um, I totally walked into the wrong restroom. I chose the wrong door. I went in, and I sat down on the pot, and then I hear heels coming in behind me. And I'm thinking, I'm like, that dumb lady, she's in the wrong restroom. And then I hear more women coming in and talking to each other. And it occurs to me, I'm the dummy. I chose the wrong door. The door you choose matters, right? So choose wisely, right? Um, Jesus says that he is the door that gets us into heaven, right? So um, one night when I was about 15, um, I had a friend that lived down the street from me. He was 16, which meant he had his license. Um, he also had this 80s model Ford Tempo, and it was like a four-cylinder, but I'm pretty sure only two of them worked or something, you know. Um, and, and my parents were out of town one weekend, and so we came up with this plan. He was like my best friend when I was like a freshman in, in uh, high school. We came up with this plan. Hey, my parents aren't in town. So if you come stay the night at my house, 
then your dad won't know that my parents aren't in town and we can take your car out late at night because his curfew was like dark or something, right? Because he was 16 and his dad was like, you better be home before dark. So, but how many of you know, Sonic is way cooler after dark, right? And then when you're 15, a late night run to Sonic is all you can think about. So we're like, we can totally go to Sonic at like 10 p.m. and nobody will ever know. So we decide we're going to do exactly that. Brian Hooper was his name. He comes over to my house. We load up in Brian Hooper's 80s model Ford Tempo, and we cruise to Sonic. How many of you guys used to cruise to Sonic whenever you were in high school? Uh-huh. The rest of y'all. What'd y'all do? Like, I live in San Angelo. There's not a whole lot else going on. So that's what we did. Um, and we, we go to Sonic. We come back. It's probably, you know, 11 o'clock or something, and we're thinking we're really cool because we just cruised to Sonic after dark, right? And uh, we come back, we pull up at my house, and, um, and we, we, we uh, notice that there's a light on in my house. And I was pretty sure I didn't leave that light on when we left. And I'm like, dude, somebody's in my house. And my parents are out of town. And so we go to his car, we raid his trunk, and we find like two tennis rackets, Right? And then we go into my house like Navy SEAL style, right, ready to pounce on anybody with a couple of tennis rackets. We go into my house, we turn right, we go down the hallway into like my bedroom and the spare bedroom of the house, and we hear a noise on the other side of the house. So we both come running back, run into this area. There's an open window at the back of my house on the other side. And he and I look at each other and we freak out because that means we were in my house with some stranger and my parents, we didn't have a clue who it was. We're like freaking out. We're like, but we got tennis rackets. Let's go get them, right? So we bolt out the back door. We run into the back fence trying to figure out who just escaped from my house, right? Because they came in through the window and the only people that come in through windows are thieves and robbers, right? So we are going to pound. I don't know what we'd have done if we'd actually found the guy. Let's face it. We were carrying rackets. He probably had a gun, you know, like, yeah, whatever. But when you're 15, you think you're cool. Um, And so, see, here's the deal. Uh, If you come to my house tonight, you come to my domain, the place that, that I built, the place that my family lives, my wife and my kids are going to sleep there tonight, right? And you come over to my house, and you come in through the window. Number one, you're either weird or you're you're a thief and a robber, right? Because anybody who comes over to your house who is normal and who is an invited guest, where do they come in? The door. You come to my kingdom and come in through the window, you better look out for the nine millimeter that I sleep with, okay? So, now, it works the same way in Jesus' kingdom. The only way in is through the door. And Jesus says, he's the door. If you come in through any other way, you're a thief and a robber. Jesus is the door into the kingdom. I am the door. If anyone enters by me in ten, uh, John 10 verse 9, he will be saved is literally how Jesus puts it. Now, here's the thing. When I talk to people about their faith, like, and I'm a pastor, so I get to have some of these conversations. Um, the people who get the most confused about this are like church kids who grew up in church their entire life. 
Because when I begin to talk to them about why they're saved or, you know, why they're going to heaven, they're like, man, I'm a member of this church. I, I, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm a good girl, right? Like, I was baptized, you know? Like, all these different things begin to come out. Um, and, and in truth, all of those answers rely on their actions, on their morality, they rely on their church membership, and they think that those things are what are going to get them into heaven. But how many of you know Christianity has never been about what we've done? It's always been about what Jesus has done. Amen? And so when we think about that, if I were to ask you today why you're going to heaven, if you were to tell me, well, I'm a pretty good guy, I go to church, I'm a member of this church, you know, here's what I hear. I hear like, well, I'm Catholic, or man, I was baptized when I was a baby, right? Um, Listen, let me put it to you like this. All of those things are what I might call windows. Now, a window's not a bad thing. I like windows in my house. We open the blinds and we open the windows. We get some fresh air. We, listen, here's what the point of a window is. The, window, the point of the window is so that you can peer through that window and catch a glimpse of heaven. So it's not like your church back home was a bad thing, but your church is a window. The membership of your church is a window, right? So whenever, whenever, I, whenever I ask somebody, you know, hey, why are you getting in there? And they throw out these things. Listen, you should peer through the window and you should see the grace of God. You should see the love of God. You should see forgiveness. You should see a community of believers that you want to be a part of. But if you try to climb in through the window... You won't make it any other way than Jesus as Lord and Savior. It just doesn't work. The church you grew up in is a window. Your parents' faith is a window. Chi Alpha is a window. Your life group is a window. And the community that you find there should give you a glimpse into what heaven will look like. But the only way to heaven is through Jesus. See, Christianity differs from just about every other religion on the face of the earth in this fact. Like, um, I've got a friend who is, a, who, who is a, a practicing Muslim man, and so when he had a kid, his kid was automatically Muslim. In Christianity, it doesn't work that way. Your parents can be Christian, but in Christianity, there has to be a moment when you, as, a, as an adult, as, as a responsible human being, make a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and become a Christian yourself. You don't get to, you don't get to enter into heaven because your parents were Christian, right? Um, for a lot of you, here, here's what I know, just in our community, because I have this conversation all the time. For a lot of you, your parents made a decision to have you baptized when you were a baby. And now some of you are sitting around thinking, should I be baptized? Now that it's my decision, should I be baptized? And I would say biblically, absolutely. Because scripturally, what we see is that people choose Jesus, get saved, and then the next thing they do is get baptized. Now here's the crazy part. Um, not even a great spiritual act like baptism will get you into heaven. You ever thought about that? Baptism's cool. Baptism is awesome. Trust me. We baptize folks all the time around here. We celebrate it when God is changing the hearts and lives of individuals. And man, we dunk them. We're like, in the name of Jesus, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bring them back up. And we're like, yay, Jesus, right? Because of the work that he's doing in people's lives. That's awesome. 
But even a great spiritual act like baptism isn't your doorway to heaven. Jesus is. Right? So, John, John 10, 9, if anyone enters through Jesus, he will be saved. And if you think about um, the nature of a door, the nature of a door is actually to separate, right? Like, how many of you, hopefully, um, <laughs> when you're at home and like your roommates are, are in the other room or something and you go to the restroom, you close the door behind you, Right? Why? Because you're hoping to separate yourself from everyone else, right? It, you know, if you're either in this room or you're outside of this room. What, what was the difference maker? The doors into this room, right? The nature of a door is to, is to separate. I remember being in business math um, in my, call, in my call, time at ASU, and, and um, it was actually on a day that we were having an exam in my business math class. Now, I'm a math guy, um, just to be honest, I didn't even attend classes for my business math. I just showed up on exam day, and, um, and, and, and I, like, could ace the class. It was no problem, okay? And so, but on this day, I was, like, three minutes late to the class, and it was exam day, and the professor locked me out of the stinking classroom. And so, I was on the outside of the door, and I needed inside the door to take the exam to pass my class, right? But there was a door that separated me from everybody else who got to take the exam. That's the nature of a door. It separates you. There are people who are in, and there are people who are out. That's what a door does. So I want to show you a picture um, that just kind of illustrates. Show me the, the shepherd and the gate picture. So if I can just show you, this isn't totally accurate, but it's a pretty good representation of maybe what a, a sheep pen might have looked like in the day of Jesus. Um, and so if you notice, there are rocks stacked up. That's for protection purposes. And the sheep go inside of the pen. And then in the opening, you see a shepherd, don't you? And that shepherd, literally, so it could look like this. Or um, a lot of times, it would look like a cave. You would have shepherds who would use caves as sheep pens for the evening. They, if they were out for, uh, for days on end, uh, taking care of their sheep, finding them food, stuff like that. They might find a cave. They would load all the sheep into the cave. And then that shepherd, that night, whenever they all laid down to go to sleep, would lay in the entrance of that cave so that nobody got in and nobody got out. He's the door. The only way you get in to the herd of sheep is through the door. And so when you read throughout Scripture, what you find out is that shepherding sheep was actually a pretty dangerous job because um, if you were to go read about David, actually, um, after David was anointed, he was the youngest brother, but it was his job to keep the family's sheep. And then he would, he would, go, he would go out and um, he actually says this, when I was out keeping my father's sheep, when the bear came, I killed the bear. Now, how many of you guys, if like the bear came, you'd be like, peace out. Just, you know, here's one, you know, the rest of us will run. You know, he's the slowest. Take him, you know, <laughs> right? But, but David, he talks, about, he talks about wolves and about bears and things that would come in to attack the sheep. And so that's why they would put up these walls for protection. And, and, and literally in the evening, that shepherd would lay in the, in the entrance, in this doorway of the sheep pen, as if to say, if you're coming in, it's over my dead body. And it turns out, that's exactly what it took for us to enter the sheep pen, didn't it? 
See, it took the death of Jesus as our Savior for us to be a part of God's flock. For us to be included in God's sheep. For us to be included in the ones who God takes care of. For us to be included in the ones who get to go to heaven. It took the death of our Savior Jesus. He died on a cross. He paid for our sins. He was buried in a grave. Three days later, because he lived a sinless life, death couldn't hold him. He reigned victorious. He rose again, and he told everybody, hey, I told you I was coming back. There's new life in me. And so in Jesus, we literally find, we, we, in, in Jesus' death, we find the reason that Jesus himself gets to call himself the doorway, the door to heaven. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that offers forgiveness. He's the one that paid for every one of our ticket to go to heaven. If you try to get in another way, it doesn't work. Jesus is our only way in. Here's what I know. For every single one of us, there's going to come a day when we will all stand before God. They call, this, um, they, they call this the great white throne judgment where God literally sits on the seat and, and uh, he begins to judge humanity and he will separate people who he calls the sheep and the goats. Now, um, sheep good, goats bad, okay? So um, you want to be a sheep, trust me, on that day, okay? And, and and when, when you stand before the Lord on that day, when you stand before God on that day, here's my question to you. If he were to ask you, why should I let you in? What would your response be? And if I can just be honest, if, you're, if your response, I'll say this, the life that you're living is responding right now. See, because on that day, our lives will have already declared that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, right? Or, on that day, our lives will have declared that we tried something else. And, and one of the saddest parts of Scripture that I've ever read is, is a portion where um, Jesus is, is actually telling a story about some, some guys who think they're going to get into heaven. And he says things like, Lord, Lord, we did spiritual things with you, like we were a part of your church, we like attended church every Sunday. We were in a Kyle life group, Jesus. And Jesus makes this sta- makes, makes statement. Depart from me, I never knew you. See, it, just like you can, you know, stand in a garage all day long, it doesn't make you a car. Right? You can, you can be in church your whole life and not be a Christian. And that's a really dangerous game to play to think that maybe I'm going, but, but the difference maker is that the way we get into to heaven, Jesus has clearly stated, is through him. It's through declaring him as our Lord and Savior. You see, one of these days, I'm going to stand before God, and you're going to stand before God, and my, my, my genuine desire is that my life has displayed, and my words will be this, I love Jesus, and I trust him as my Lord and Savior. And I'm trusting literally. Listen, it's not because I was a preacher. It's not because I was in a life group. It's not because I helped other people get to heaven. 
It's going to literally be because I've placed my faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Any other response is not going to get the result you're hoping for. Literally, any other response is not good enough. It all points back to Jesus. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the doorway to heaven. So my question tonight is this. Are you relying on Jesus and Jesus alone to get into heaven? Because for, for those of us that, that know him personally, that know him intimately, here's what we figured out. I've got, um, how many math and computer science guys do we have in the room? Anybody? Okay, I'm going to see how smart you guys are real quick, okay? Because I put together a little nerdy equation for you, okay? I'm going to see if you guys can figure this out with me. Um, so the thing on the left looks like a cross, okay, representing Jesus, right? And then um, Jesus plus, what is that one? The null, sign, the null sign, right? Nada, okay, for all of our Spanish-speaking people, nada, okay? So Jesus plus nada equals infinity, right? Hey, how long are we going to be in, how long are we going to be in heaven? For an eternity, right? Right? Where, where do you think that we get this idea as humans? Where do we, where do we get this idea of like infinity? You don't think it's because God is eternal? And he's given us this little glimpse of what eternity is? And we have a really hard time describing that, don't we? God doesn't. He, he knows. So, yeah, this was our, uh, we'll, we'll give you the equation. Go ahead and put it up there. Jesus plus nothing is everything, right? I wrote this on my whiteboard earlier. I thought you guys would be really impressed by my artwork. Um, <laughs> literally, guys, one day we will all stand before our Father in heaven. And we'll either declare that Jesus was our Lord and Savior. I got nothing else to offer. Every sermon that I preached, God, I know it wasn't good enough. Every prayer I prayed, I know it wasn't good enough. But what Jesus did, that was. That's all I've got to offer you, Lord. Jesus is why I should get in. And then you'll hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Join me for eternity. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. There's no other way around it. Now, next week, that's an eternal view, okay? Jesus being the doorway into heaven um, <clears throat> is kind of an eternal view. Next week, we'll talk about Jesus being our good shepherd. But um, l- let, me, let, me, um, let me end with just one, one little, little piece here. A couple weeks ago, how many of you guys remember Chris Scoggins? Missionary, he came and hung out with us a little bit. Um, he preached on he preached on Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life, okay? So the truth is, is what he was focused on, okay? He talked about things like absolute truth and why doesn't everybody get to go to heaven and, you know, stuff like this. And he gave this little example. He said, um, he said you know, some of you guys, um, like, you've got roommates that are totally selfish, and they never do the dishes, and it drives you nuts because your sink is just piling up getting stinky, right? It smelled up the whole house. It looks more like a science experiment than a kitchen, right? And, and so, and you're like, you're like, they just never do the dishes at all, right? And, and here's the thing, like, you're frustrated with a temporary roommate. God knows that all of the inhabitants of heaven will be there for eternity. Can you imagine what would happen if God allowed that kind of selfishness into heaven. 
it would ruin heaven, wouldn't it? And so Chris kind of made this point, and I just want for you to recognize tonight that Jesus being the doorway, he is the one who gets us into heaven. He is also the one that will restrict people from getting into heaven. Because Jesus is as concerned with protecting heaven as anybody. It will be his eternal home with us as well. So, Jesus as the door is the only one who has the right to grant access or to deny access to anyone who would want to go. Tonight, my hope is this. My hope is that you will place your trust in Jesus as the pathway, the doorway to heaven. That maybe for some of you, um, man, you've been feeling kind of the Lord tug on your heart a little bit, and you've been feeling the Lord, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of pull you away from some things that you once placed your faith in, and you feel Him turning your heart just towards Jesus. And here's how I know that's happening, because for a lot of you, you were in church in a very different atmosphere three months ago. Your home church didn't look like this. I hope not. You guys don't tithe at all, okay? Like, we would be very poor, okay? <clears throat> it, your home church looked a whole lot like heaven's going to look. This is not what heaven looks like. This is like one little snippet of heaven, okay? Um, and you've had to come to college, and you've had to work on defining your own faith. You've had to figure out that, hey, the preacher I had back home, the youth pastor that I had back home, he was awesome. I loved him. And this Heath guy, I'm not real sure about, right? And, and, and then you're like looking for a church on Sunday, and you're like, man, they sing different songs. It feels different. And kind of all those things that made you comfortable in your faith before, you're having to find yourself, you're finding yourself going, that really doesn't matter all that much. Do they love Jesus? And are we, are we pursuing Jesus together or not? And so maybe before, it felt good to trust in some other things. And now you're having to give up a few of those things and just rely on Jesus. You're probably closer to heaven now than you've ever been in your life. Why would a scholar and Katie decide to go to Thailand where nothing feels right? They don't know anyone there. Just because Jesus said so. Because they're following Jesus as their shepherd, which is actually what we're going to talk about next week. For now, let me pray for you guys.